Hello and welcome everyone to Eyes on the Minds. This is episode 16, Eternally Yours, Ian and John. My name is John. I am joined by Ian. How are you doing, Ian? Uh, it's not bad. It's, it's a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. <laughs> it's really rain. It's been raining a lot here in Nashville, and it's kind of dreary. But I guess it rains a lot up there in Seattle, so. Well, actually, like, summertime, it doesn't really rain a whole lot. But I think we've had, like, I guess you could say the most prototypical Pacific Northwest weather you can think of in the last, like, three days. So, like, a week or two ago, it was, like, 100-plus degrees up here. It was really weird, unseasonably warm. Like, this whole past week, it's been, like, in the 60s and 70s. And it'll be, like, like nice and sunny out, nice blue skies, a little bit of clouds. You'll go inside, and you'll come back outside, like, an hour and a half later, and it's downpouring. Yeah. Go back inside, come out an hour later, it's, like, bright and sunny again. It just did that, like, on and off all day, like, the last, like, three days. But yeah, that's pretty crazy. I like it. It's not bad. Uh, anyways, uh, remember that if you give us a review, we will uh, give you a shout out at the top of the show. We still haven't gotten any others, so we're going to go ahead and just jump right on into our eyes on the community. Uh, and Eternal Masters launched this past weekend. It's sweet. We're going to talk more about it in a moment. Uh, but up on the horizon, we have Eldritch Moon spoilers starting soon. Oh yeah, June 27th. <laughs> they had to actually clarify it today. It was kind of funny, because... Yeah, Mark Rosar Mark... had a little bit of a... Uh, one of his few missteps on his blog where he said they were starting it next week. Well, technically he's not wrong because he's doing that little like access magic thing with Jimmy Wong. Yeah, I saw that this is, morning and is, I was freaked out. I was like, what oh, is but, this? But, it start, but it's on the 20th and apparently they said they might have a spoiler card. So you could technically say that the spoiler season starts next week, but it doesn't start en masse until the 27th. Yeah, so you're not going to start seeing your uh, your preview cards for the different websites, you know, Channel Fireball, Star City, or the smaller sites, or the social media promos until the 27th. And remember that your pre-releases are Ju are July 16th and 17th. So oh, yeah. make sure you mark your calendars for those. Also, this past weekend was the Legacy Weekend. We had GP Columbus here in the States, and we had GP Prague over in Europe, and they were both won by Ian and I's pet deck for the Legacy format. GP so, Columbus was won by Infect, and GP Prague was won by Storm. Yeah, the cool part about that, and like I had, I had to bring it up, mention that to John. He's like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." Basically, because the the, the Prague one was weird, just because you know time zone difference, and watching that live was like I was watching the finals, and it was like one in, like not one in the afternoon. It's like weird. It's like yeah, everyone have a good night, and it's like I still have the rest of my afternoon. <laughs> But the GP Columbus one was amazing because a 16-year-old won. Yeah. Beating Joe Lissette on Miracles. And he didn't win with Infect damage. He won with 22 Trample damage from a Noble Hierarch. Jeez. <laughs> he, like, he basically is, is, tested... That's how you want to win, right? With regular damage in the Infect deck. That's what we all talked about. Wait a minute. Yeah. Well, no. Like, the Shillelagh beatdowns are the best. Now, because what apparently happened... Like, I had to read tech coverage for it. So he tested the waters with one pump. Like, he swung with a noble hierarch. Opponent, Jolisette, had a, I guess, a snapcaster mage. Either he cast it or had it on the board uh, for the block. So as a 2-1. And hierarch was a 1-2. He started testing the water with a pump spell. Resolved. Tested another pump spell. Resolved. Then, I think at that point, it was... He put another pump... Like, a invigorate and, like, another couple, like, pump spells. And then... They started taking it down, and he's like, okay, so no damage. And the guy's like, hold And the kid's like, hold on one second. Berserk. <laughs> Which so is... Remember, Berserk um, is a legacy-only card. It's a single green mana for an instant. 
that you have to cast before combat damage. It specifies it on the card, so don't try and cast it afterwards. So it's post-blockers before damage. Yeah, I mean, supposedly you can cast it before blockers, but you really don't want to. But the creature gets plus X plus O, where X is that creature's power. And if it attacked this turn, destroy it. Yeah, at the end of combat. So basically... It's a one-shot. It's like how you do one-shot, one-kill with the it's Infect the, deck and uh, Legacy. the Legacy version of Teamer Battle Rate. Yeah, it basically, except cheaper, and you don't have to worry about it being four power greater. Exactly. But he basically, but he was like, he had an 11, which was just like, um, Berserk. And Joseph was like, he had this pause for a second. It's like, oh. Because <laughs> it trampled over the one, the one, the one uh, toughness that the uh, Snapcaster Mage had. So it hit him for like 21 damage. Like, Jeez. don't for lethal. So and Joe, Joe Lissette is like a pretty darn good Miracles player, and the 16-year-old was able to take it to him, so mad props to him. And also, Storm beat Legacy, or beat the uh, Miracles deck. Yeah. The Storm Miracles matchup in Legacy is a very interesting matchup, because Storm plays very differently in Legacy than it does in Modern. Modern is very much a one-trick. In Legacy, it has access to some very powerful cards, and as an example... It's, um, it's way more of a toolbox kill yeah. deck. The mana base in in um i forget the player's name and i don't want to try and attempt to butcher it uh his mana base is two underground seas one volcanic one tropical island one bayou like one swamp and one plains and then a bunch of fetch lands so he can make every every color mana except for white and he does and he needs it because he has to cast um well he needs black mana so he can cast his dark rituals and his tendrils of agony which is the main kill condition he needs to be able to tap for red mana so he can cast his past in flames and green mana so he can cast abrupt decay and, or a Crossing Grip out of the sideboard for the Miracles deck. Yeah. It's silly. But it's, he had, it's he silly, had a turn but it works. one kill. He had a turn one kill in the semifinals. It's absurd. It was it was amazing. It was so much fun to watch. Oh, if you guys go, if you have a chance to go watch the 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 replays of it, I highly recommend it. Like oh, yeah. it people have actually said like the storm final, like the final of GP Prague is like if you want to learn and watch, like this is how you play like this is what a storm deck and legacy can do. It is like the perfect just like explanation and like here just watch yeah like part of the reason that i picked up storm so quickly and i and i really enjoy storm is i was able to watch john finkel play it at a few of the modern and if you want to if you want to know how to pilot these type of really weird decks watch somebody really good play it and the the winner of gp prog did an amazing job with the storm deck on coverage so i would highly recommend look those look up those videos so you can get a big big old help at a storm Speaking of Eternal formats, Ian, we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about Eternal Masters now. I know, Ian, you haven't spent a lot of time drafting this set or playing with this set at all. <laughs> Not particularly. We'll get into my story after yours. Yeah. It's a, um, little bit of a, it's a little bit of a sad story, but it has, it has a good twist to it. So Yeah, exactly. So uh, I got to draft this set three times. Uh, twice I got to draft it just kind of from uh, what my store, what my local game store, Comic City 2, and then my... Uh, my LGS also did a, if you pre-ordered a box of EMA, like I did, uh, you got to sign up for a $20 EMA draft. That's pretty cool. Which is really, which is really, really awesome. Uh, the other drafts over the course of the original weekend were 40 bucks, which is also great. That's, um, that's how much my draft was. Yeah. And then uh, now they're up to uh, $45 drafts. But that's what happens when you have these supplementals type sets that have a lot of high demand, a lot of high money cards. Um, if you wanted to get my thoughts on them, again, last week I put up my, uh, my set review and I got some good feedback on it. Some people are saying, Hey, you should do this again. And so I might, uh, I might do that again. I might mix up the format a little bit. I haven't decided yet. We'll see what Eldritch Moon has in store, but, yeah. um, I'm going to go ahead and jump straight into my three drafts. If you don't mind, Ian. 
Go for it, man. I'm I'm excited to hear about this stuff. So my so my first draft was the was our FNM draft. Or no, we had no Thursday midnight draft. Sorry, we did a midnight Thursday draft. Which talk about talk about a really a really interesting time to draft. Um, first story about the draft uh, in my pod, the player three seats to my right opened a foil deck Faden. Uh, the player across from me in his three packs opened Sylvan Library. Foil? No, just regular. That's not too bad. Jace. Okay. And Caracas. Luxac. I know. And uh, this player had the uh, had the uh, chutzpah to complain because he only plays Commander and Caracas is banned at Commander. Anyways. Moving on, Ooh. I, I pack one picked one. I had a fairly interest. I had a fairly weak pack. I don't remember it very well, but I first picked uh, Malicious Affliction, which is uh, black black instant destroy target non black creature with morbid. If a creature died, then you copy it. So it could turn into BB kill two creatures, which is very good. And then I was very confused because the person to my right passed me a Karmic Guide pack uh, pick two. What? <laughs> Karmic Guide is three white is uh, three white white. 5 mana for a 2-2 flying protection from white with echo. So you have to pay its mana cost on your next upkeep. And when it enters the battlefield, you take a creature from your graveyard to put it into play. Card's absurd. Oh I yeah, it's 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 from the uh the broken days of Urza block. Yes, it's from uh, Echo is a main main mechanic in Urza's. Yeah, it was um, the Karmic Guide originally was printed in De- Urza's Destiny the second yeah. set. Uh, and I asked him afterwards, like, dude, what'd you, what'd you pack one, pick one? And he goes, source of plowshares. And I go, okay, that's, that's probably fair. Yeah, I um, would probably take that. I'm not going to lie. I would definitely go that. So I was trying to angle into the white-black deck, which is kind of a um, bounce flicker deck. It's very <laughs> loosely defined, the white-black deck is. Um, I, but, I was reading things saying it's kind of like intersection where a lot of, like, de- like some of the other strategies kind of meld into it. Yeah. So as I was drafting, I got past like a fairly late factor fiction, got past some deep analysis, um, analyses, analyses, very deep analyses. Uh, and I just went into, uh, just straight Esper white, blue, black. And I had five dual lands and I was, I was sitting, I was sitting really pretty with my mana base. Uh, I managed to three Oh the draft. Um, and it just put me on this track of what you'll see later on in, our, in, my, in my other drafts. But you want to talk about, okay, my sweetest line of play that I did is I had, is that I had a bunch, I had a few looters or a few discard effects and I discarded Havoc Deep, which is a seven mana, five, five flyer in black that when it dies, you give the entire board minus five, minus five, which is fine. Um, and so I played Karma Guide to reanimate the Havoc Deep. <laughs> my opponent was like, you know what? I'm just kind of sick and tired of this. I'm going to destroy the Havoc Demon and we'll start over. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Uh, I top deck one of my Gravediggers. And I had enough mana that I could go Gravedigger, grab Karmic Guide, play Karmic Guide, put Havoc Demon into play, go. Sir? <laughs> Sir? Yeah. You're ridiculous, and I love it. Yes, it was amazing. Uh, I 3-0'd that draft. Um, I think, well, no, yeah, I just 3-0'd that draft. I didn't have a lot of, like, crazy shenanigans. I also had an Animate Dead in the deck, which is a very also a very solid card. Uh, in fact, in my second draft, which is just a regular FNM draft, I first picked Animate Dead. And I started, and I drafted in such a way that I kept my options open to try to get the World Gorger Dragon Animate Dead combo. I, expl- <laughs> I think I explained this on my set review podcast, but just to kind of outline what happens is World Gorger Dragon has an, has an ability that says when it enters the battlefield, you exile all permanents, and then when it leaves the battlefield, you return them all to play. So if you Animate Dead the Dragon, you have to exile the Animate Dead. When the Animate Dead leaves play, you have to sacrifice the creature you animated, or the World Gorger Dragon. And then the Animate Dead comes back into play, because it 
comes back into play from the World Gorger Dragon's ability. Target the World Gorger Dragon, comes back into play, exile, anime, dead, rinse, and repeat. So what you then need is a way to kill your opponent, which is why I drafted two Keldon Marauders, which are th which is one of the red for a 3-3 with fading two, that when it enters and leaves the battlefield, it deals one damage to target player. Okay. Unfortunately, I did not get the World Gorger Dragon, so instead I was this weird Grixis mid-range control deck. Still but, not terrible, right? Not terrible. I managed to three of the draft again as, as well. I mean, it was pretty much a value deck. Um, the crazy thing was that the player to my right opened a World Gorger Dragon in pack two and was passing it to the right. No! In Ruined! Ten, in a ten-man pod. <laughs> and the person to his right picked it. I was hoping no one would pick the World Gorger Dragon and it would wheel all the way to me. It was a small hope, but I tried. Um, I, was, I was literally... Like one, if the player to my right had person to my right had opened those packs in a different order, I would have had the animated World Gorge Dragon combo, and it would have been really sweet. Would have been glorious. It would have needed to have been pack three though. Uh, well, I pack one picked one animate dead, and then he, then he would have passed me the World Gorge Dragon probably. But I don't. Oh know. shoot, man, that would have been amazing. That would have been, that would have been an amazing one-two punch. Uh, now let's get, now my next draft. I pack I pack one picked one Enlightened Tutor. It was a close pick between it and Necrotal which is the 2-1 for 2 black black with first strike that when it enters the battlefield, you destroy target non-black non-artifact creature. Yep. Which is really solid. Then I got past a source of plowshares. Mm-hmm. Then I got past another source of plowshares. Okay. Then I got past an equal Leviathan. Stinky Yankee. Which is an artifact creature, Leviathan. It's a 7-11, Shroud, um, Island Walk, and Trample. And yeah, I just decided to start drafting a control deck, and I ended up in Esper Control because I didn't get a lot of the blue draw spells because it turns out the player to my right was in blue-white, despite passing me two swords of plowshares, and the player sitting directly across from me was also in blue-white. So Oof. I did. The, I only got my blue draw spells, which were my two deep analyses, in pack two, pass from the players passing to my passing to me from my left. Yeah, gotcha. And I was pretty lucky because in pack three I opened Sphinx of the Steelwind, which money-wise is not a very good mythic, but when you can cast it, it's pretty absurd. It's insane. And I had. A uh, and I was playing Esper, and I had the black Honden and the blue Honden. And I got them both in play twice, and it's really hard to lose when your opponent's getting mind rotted on your upkeep, and you're drawing three cards a turn. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was pretty nasty. Get wrecked, nerds. Get wrecked. Right, uh, I only I went two one in this draft because I I played against um the uh, the owner because he and his wife jumped into the pod so that we could have a pot of eight for this because this was the um the pre order box draft. So we only had gotcha. six people show up, so they jumped in for the eight to make it a full eight. And um, I won game one, he won game two, and then we go to game three. And he, he dazed me in game one. And daze is the counter-target spell unless you pay one with the alternate cost of returning an island to your hand. And so I go on turn six or so, because I had a worn power stone. I go, Sphinx of the Steel Wind, don't daze me, bro. He didn't daze me. He did pacify it, though, which was Ooh. sad. Next turn, I play a land, cast Inkwell Leviathan. Don't daze me, bro. It resolves. I managed to lose that game despite the fact that he's playing um, a Jeskai deck because he just goes a little bit wider than I can, and he gains some life. Because otherwise, he was at 21 life, and I was killing. I was going to kill him in three. <laughs> so that was my, that was my only loss. I did manage to beat a really sweet um, green-black splashing blue deck that was trying to just get some value off of things, um, and he just he just couldn't beat my he couldn't beat green, my bombs. Green-black can be a pretty ridiculous deck. 
to face, as I will mention in yes. a minute or two. Um, and then I also uh, be a red-green aggro deck that was at our table, because it turns out that if you have a creature that's protection from red and protection from green, like Sphinx of the Steel Wind is, they can't win. It, <laughs> they, just, they just can't win. It's impossible. Um, but it was a really sweet deck. I would, I would definitely draft that deck again. Plus, I had the awesome Enlightened Tutor package of Sphinx, Inkwell, uh, Worn Power Stone, Honden of Seeing Winds, and Honden of Night's Reach, which is the the discard yeah. Honden and the draw card Honden. Yeah, uh, it was. I've heard, silly. I've heard, I've heard stories of people making four color Honden decks. Uh, the most that I've heard of in my local area is three color decks playing playing three different Honden. Well, I will say this though. Thank God they included the cons, the gain lands in these decks or these packs. Funnily, like they're actually relatively plentiful. Like I was, like well, they're a common, and cool. in cons they were a common, and they helped enable you know these three color decks. Now, granted, in cons you also had the tri lands and uncommon, right? But even then, you know the gain lands are really what made sure that you could cast your spells. Well, but remember, well not only that too. Remember, we had the five color morph deck where you could literally just be like, pack one, pick pack one. I'm taking every single gain land I find, and then from then on, I'm or any you know decent three color morph. So like your pack your pick order was like game land, three color or was three color morph, game land. Yeah. And just go for pack one, cut all the lands out, and then just get everything good in packs two and three. Yeah. It still works here. I saw so many game lands. I'm like, when do I take these? When do I take these? I took the, the lion's share of mine in pack two. Yeah. It's it's really interesting because like in my in my Grixis pack, I had four dual lands by the end of the first pack. Just incidental just, picks, right? Yeah, just incidental picks like it was a gain land or it was like some like marginal playable card. Now it was just a gain land. Easy. Just take these yeah. take these dual lands. Yeah, mostly when I picked mine, that's kind of how it was too. Now, granted, I was going to lose hardcore to Price of Progress. Luckily, I never saw one. Yeah, that would... Oof. Price of Progress, for those of you who may not just be immediately in the know, is one of the red for a sorcery. Uh, and then each player takes two damage for each non-basic land they control. It's a staple. It's a four of staple in Legacy Burn for yeah, for that exact for that exact reason. For that because exact reason. also, um, it and Wasteland help kind of define the Legacy mana bases. If you're if you can play basics, you do, so you don't get blown out by those. Oh, yeah. um, but that's those are my three drafts. Uh, we also did at my local game store. We did a um, a sealed. Which is really interesting to watch. Uh, the most interesting thing I saw was dueling flag bearers. Oh, oh man! And I had to. Um, I, I'm currently employed by my local game store, uh, and I had, and I was acting kind of as the judge, and I got asked um, by six one of the summer, players. Six summer job brags, bro. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, and I got asked by a player, um, can or my my opponent cast Una's Grace, which is two in a blue target player draws a card. Uh, it says they have to target a flag bearer. It's like, no, is flag bearer a player? No, that it can't target the flag bearer. So remember that the flag bearer can only redirect things that target creatures. Or players. can be targeted by. Yeah, exactly. Um, so just remember that. Anyways, uh, those are my main stories. Ian, how about you go, into, go ahead and go in? All right, so a little bit of a background. I did order a, I pre-ordered a box online of EMA from a store that I did game day at. Um, and I liked it, so I went. Back, I decided to order from them. Plus, they were pre-ordering for two fifty, which is great because at the time, like everyone else was like jacking them up to three hundred. Yeah, my store was, uh, slow, was slowly increasing the price of pre-orders. I got mine at two four tax. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, I got mine at two fifty, and thanks to Washington State tax being ridiculous, like it's like nine and a half percent or something stupid like that, I would have had to pay like another twenty plus bucks on top of the actual twenty plus bucks plus shipping. 
Um, or even to pick up in store was like 26 bucks extra or some craziness like that. So I was like, eh, let me see how it is if I ship it to my dad's house in Delaware. <laughs> it was $7. Like, as opposed to picking it up in store, it would have cost me 20 like six to twenty seven dollars extra as opposed to shipping it to my dad's house would cost me seven dollars extra. So I shipped it. I, I had selected to ship to my dad's house. So I got a call up on Friday. I had off that day and they're like, hey, we were about to ship your uh, your box out. And we noticed that we're shipping it basically across the country and you have a local billing address. You want to just come and pick it up? And I'm like, I, I can just pick it up. It's like, yeah, I already paid for it. I'm like, okay <laughs> like by the way by the way we're doing drafts and stuff like that and i'm like oh all right when are they They're like oh one three five and seven i'm like sweet good guy local game store yeah good guy local game store apparently like what the owner was telling me when i went to go on saturday was that they had a ton of people calling on like thursday and friday saying hey you guys doing drafts like they had like a hundred some people call because they were like yeah we're just gonna roll drafts all day so this kind of factors into my story in a little bit so anyway saturday rolls around i decided I could have gone to another game store. Like this was this one's 30, 20 minutes north of me. The other one I was going to go to is 20, 30 minutes south. I ended up going there for a uh, Grand, Grand Prix trial, which I'll talk about a little bit after this, um, the next day on Sunday. So I was like, oh, I'll just go on Saturday and then go back on Sunday. So I was like, ah, scratch that. I'll go to the, my, the game store with my box, go pick my box up. Because it was a win a box. So basically three rounds or whatever, you win a box. Sweet. Yay. Not bad. I like that kind of stuff. So I was like, sweet. Nice value. Uh, so I was going to go with three and like, I was just like, ah, lazy. I'll go with five. So thanks a little bit of traffic in Tacoma. I ended up getting there at 450. Uh, you know, 10 minutes before the draft, that's plenty of time to check in, you know, get seated, whatever. Turns out they fired it at 448. Mm. They were like, they were like on pick two of the draft Jeez. or pick two or three when I got there. And they're like, hey, we just started a draft and I could have been the ninth drafter. They could have been like, we can stop the draft and like I would jump in somehow and we they'd somehow cycle through or whatever. It's been weird. Yeah. They wouldn't have re- they wouldn't have restarted the draft. It would have been like I just basically get like the first pick or two out of that pack and then start passing. We would have figured out a way. But they're like, well, we have some, we have like two other people here who want to draft potentially, and then we can get some more people in that we know people are coming for the five o'clock. We'll see if we can get them to fire. I waited till seven twenty. Yeah, I waited two. Two and a half hours to draft because that mass like and the owner the whole time kept stopping. I was like, "You okay? You okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm just fine." Fortunately for me, I brought my standard deck with me, and there were people who were around. You know, it's a little game store; people are going to have their decks. So I got to jam a couple games of standard with the Bant hum- Displacer Humans deck. I was going to play at the Grand Prix trial the next day, but yeah, it, it was it was kind of crappy. Um, no, through no fault of the game store. Like the owner felt really bad and kept apologizing. I'm like, "Look, it's not your fault." Like. What else are you going to do about it? I mean, he can't really help the fact that people were calling en masse to him inquiring about a draft and then never show. So, uh, so anyway, so I waited two and a half hours for it. Around like 630, uh, he walked up to me and they actually called one of his friends who lived in town. He's like, hey, we need people to draft. Like, you want to come draft? And he's like, yeah, fine. Pop down the store. That guy waited like an hour and 15 minutes, hour, 20 minutes to draft too. So about an hour into his wait and like, hour and a half in a mine or whatever he comes by it's like here just have two a pack so he gives a he gave us a free pack of eternal master which was really nice of him he didn't have to do that but it was like a pity pack i guess hey sorry for the wait the guy across me i think he opened i can't remember what it was it was like one of the cheapy green rares nothing special and like a really crappy foil oh no no he opened a 
No, no, he didn't open anything good, actually. I think his most expensive car was like a pyroblast or something, which is really kind of sad. But but my pack, I was flipping through. I, speaking of those game lands, I had like three of them in this pack. I was like, I actually have the pack one. I have the, the pack, the picture of it actually on my Twitter. So I could actually tell you what the pack had in it. So it was at Common, Tidal Wave, Curd Ape, Mog War Marshal, Una's Grace, Commune with the Gods, Knight. With Knight's Whisper, Pacifism, Blossoming Sand, Tranquil Cove, Scoured Barrens. Right now, personally, I would be looking at the Pacifist. Yeah, not a bad pick. Um, so then we, uh, we at Uncommon, we have Zell's Persecution, Factor Fiction, Invigorate. Now I'm looking at Foff, because Factor Fiction's absurd. The Rare was a Force of Will. Oh my. Which is a $90 card. And the Foil was a Foil Man of War, which is the first time that particular art has ever been printed in Foil. So the card's $10. I literally really got surprising. Hand- well, no, I was wondering why this this Man of War was like eight nine bucks, and I'm like, oh right, this is like one of the original artworks for like this is the this particular artwork of it, and it's I don't think that artwork has ever been in foil. I I'll take a three hundred dollar bill. <laughs> I mean, like like drafting, I said, like I think Force is probably the right pick. I mean, I don't know if I was in the top if I was in like the top eight of a GP. If this was my first pack I opened, if I would take Force over uh, Factor Fiction, I would probably still take Force. I don't know. That's close. I mean, it's it's one of those where, like, you, you pick Force of Will, you could potentially be in blue. I mean, out of that, you've got a, basically a, a nut counterspell that yeah. your opponent... I mean, that's, 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 I mean, it's probably not the pick. Like I say, Factor Fiction is definitely, like... Pa- Factor Fiction or Passivism will probably be a really good one there. Like, I know if your white-black, your Grixis... Or your, not Grixis... Your Esper. Esper decks, right? Would have loved that Zell's Persecution, I'm sure. Uh, I only played it once. And it's it's only it's kind of mediocre in the format I found. It can Not do again. some great things if you're like. Seems, I seems think amazing it, sideboard against elves. <laughs> it is amazing sideboard against elves. It's also amazing against to- against the white red tokens deck. Yes. Um, but I would almost want it like as a splash in the red white tokens deck. But even then, that deck doesn't want to play that many or play that many dual lands. So. Eh. Yeah, I mean it's it's probably force fact and pacifism yeah. on top of that. But I mean, hell, just getting this keep a force will in a mana war. That's pretty nice. Yeah, it was amazing. So that was that. So I, and we end up finally getting a seven-man pod. <laughs> like one of the store employees actually joined in the pod just to like actually get a seventh person in there so it wasn't six people drafting. Yeah. That guy actually <laughs> – that was the guy who actually – he opened a, a mana crypt and a maze of it. <laughs> Talk about lucky. Yeah, well. Some people have after, all the luck. Yeah, after that, like I think the next book, most expensive cards were two – uh, Sensei's Divining Tops, and then my pack one pick one, which was a Maelstrom Wanderer. I saw that, I was like, that eh, seems fun, let's do it. Uh, just a, a reminder for people who don't know what the Wanderer does, uh, the Scourge of Commander Tables everywhere, he has a 7-5 Legendary Creature Elemental for 5 blue, green, red. It's a 5 and a teamer. 5 and a teamer. Creatures you control have face, which includes the Wanderer. And then the next line of text is Cascade, comma Cascade. <laughs> yes. So if you like your Bloodbraid Elves or if you like your Shardless Agents, two on one card. There you go. How about a double cascade? This card is, again, this card it was printed in the, it was printed in Plane Chase and printed as a foil for the first time in the Commander's Arsenal. And the card is just absurd. And we have a brand new artwork on it, yes. which is. The new art's great. I mean, how, how do you like your skilled deer? Dude, the, and the artist of it, and the artist of it's really, is a hoot. He's really cool to hang. He's yeah. a really cool guy. Oh, yeah. he, was one the, he was one of the artists I actually got to hang out with when I was in Minneapolis. So that was yeah. pretty cool. Um, but no, I was like, yeah, screw it. Let's, let's check team routes. So I basically was 
looking to possibly go red blue with this splash of green because um, I figured red blue would probably be the best source of how I would want to go with the deck like that would probably end up playing Maelstrom Wanderer. It, it didn't go well. I was already kind of tired and tilty from waiting two and a half hours to draft as I, I would honestly say anyone would probably be. It's like you get there ready to draft in like 10 minutes and then you have to wait two and a half hours. It's I kind of was basically my, uh, waiting at GP Vegas. The, the queues on Thursday were very slow to fire. But Oh, God, those were terrible. I remember that. Yeah. No, so it was, it was just one of those things where it's like, ah, you know, whatever. But I, I kind of train wrecked it. Um, f- unfortunately for me, the person to my left was drafting elves. Uh, the person to my right was drafting, I want to say, white, black, but was like drafting flyers and stuff like that. So if I'd want to do like white, blue flyers, that was completely out of the question because all the white flyers were getting, like the guy had like four squad hawks. I was like, that's, I mean, that's the dream right there, right? Yeah, the guy had like four squad hawks. The guy, another seat away was drafting white, red, and then like there was like a black, blue. So like all the kind of colors were kind of just drafted right next to me. Yeah. So by the time I got anything, it was kind of like diluted for sure. I, I probably was in a seat. Now, I did, looking back on it, I could have had maybe the red, if I had just like gone full bore, I could have had the red blue flashback deck, but I didn't have any of the payoff cards for it. Yeah, that which, deck is really reliant on you having like a Burning Vengeance or a Young Pyromancer or something along lines to make right. sure that you had I never saw burn- to do. Yeah, I never saw the Burning Vengeance. I never saw Young Peasy. I never saw any of those things where like I would have been paid off for my flashback. But I could have had like five Silent Departures, which would have been hilarious. Yeah, that card's pretty okay. And there was like three Gaseous Forms and two or three Dream Twists that would have, would have been coming around. So it was one of those like weird like the deck that I was probably in the red blue seat, but the payoff wasn't there for red blue. So unfortunately, I drafted a very mediocre Teamer deck. Um, it got just destroyed by green black elves. I got domed for like, let's put it this way. He had wire, wire, the uh, symbiote. Did he double shaman of the pack you? Yeah, dude. I got uh... shaman of the pack. Like, the, what's it? The, what's the elf? I forget. There's an elf that you cast whenever you cast an elf, you oh, get it. Yeah. He had like three of those in his deck. Vomit. Vomit, vomit, he had, vomit, vomit. He had three Lislana Huntmasters. He had basically the nut elf deck. He had two Shaman of the Pack. He had, what was it? I think he had a Regal Force. Jeez. Yeah, it, it, his deck was just insane. And like, I got, so what he did is he like basically cast Shaman of the Pack, returned it to his hand with the Wirewood Symbiote, and then cast it again. <laughs> you can't see me, but I'm shaking my head right now, people. Oh no, it's like, so Shaman of the Pack is one black and a green, and I forget the power of toughness, but that's really kind of... 3-2. So it's relatively irrelevant, but what it does do is it hits you, it domes you for however many elves are in play. So remember, he had two he had two Lislana Huntmasters out, so when he casted the first time, he got, you know, two, and then he returned to his hand, casting, I get two more, so he ended up hitting for like eight and then ten. That's, it was, that's it pretty was, ridiculous. It was stupid. I was just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so I, uh, it was so in a box, basically you're eliminated after the first round. So I was just like, eh, screw it. I'll go one more round. I wanted to play. I wanted to cast Maelstrom Wanderer. I did get to cast Maelstrom Wanderer. What'd you cascade into? Well, here's the downside of this. <laughs> <laughs> it was against the green black. Uh, this was like the guy who's like kind of almost opposite the table of the elf drafter. He drafted green black uh, regenerate. Okay. So all of the he had that. Uh, that beefy 8-5 that regenerates for a green. <laughs> oh, Silvos. 
Yeah, he had that guy. And he had a bunch, and he had another one that you have to, you pay black and sack a creature and you regenerate it. And he had like all these beefy guys, like I board stalled him out. Like the guy could have easily won like 20, like 10 turns before he did. But he was just like, swing with one person, swing with one person, like chump, 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 chump. So unfortunately, my deck had like a couple cards. I was hoping for the amazing play of, I did have a, a Peregrine Drake. Oh yeah, that card's good. <laughs> so unfortunately, oh, I also drafted a Sensei's Divining Top, so I was able to sculpt my draws. Let's put it this way, Sensei's Divining Top is absolutely stupid and limited. <laughs> uh, my, uh, my, my, the owner of my local game store, when I played him on, on the Sunday night, Sunday evening draft, he had top Future Sight. That's insane. Future Sight, for those of us who may, who, for those of you who don't oh, know, is I should also say, um, okay. that you play with the top card of your library revealed, and you can play the top card of your library. I, I was an idiot and passed the Future Sight. <laughs> That's fine. Everybody, everybody gets it one. I, I missed it. I had top, and like two picks later, I could have picked up the Future Sight. <laughs> it's okay, Ian. We all make mistakes. Oh, I told you I train wrecked it. <laughs> I was not joking when I said I train wrecked this draft. No, but um, <laughs> the worst part was is that so I ended up drawing the Paragon Drake right before the Maelstrom Wanderer. Ah uh, man. So what the 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 fun play with that is is so Paragon Drake is four and a blue for a two three flyer. So you're like that's kind of crappy. But when it enters the battlefield, you untap up to five lands. Yeah. Now remember Maelstrom Wanderer it costs eight mana. <laughs> And Cascade says when you hit a spell that costs less than me, cast it. Yeah, so you cast it and it enters the battlefield. So unfortunately I had that in a Shoreline Ranger, which is a five mana, five and a blue, three, four flyer. I did have a two Warden of Evos Isle, which is a two, three flyer that like lets you cast uh, your flyers for one less mana. Yeah. So I did get a Paragon Drake for three mana out. That was pretty fun. I, I tapped, I tapped, floated all the mana, untapped it and had like seven mana available. It's pretty, pretty nice. It's nice. So, but no, unfortunately, the, the, the dream is to Maelstrom Wanderer, hit Paragon Drake, untap your lands, hit something else, and then play something else out of your hand. So you can get like four or five cards out on the table, like in yeah, one you turn. You just picked up a Brainstorm, man. I, I didn't. <laughs> I actually, I didn't see a Brainstorm. I mean, Brainstorms are uncommon in this set, probably for a reason, probably for this exact reason. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it was... I had a fun time regardless of that, like, you know, just being tired and wanting to go home because I had a Grand Prix uh, uh, trial the next day. Yeah. So it was kind of, I was just like, I was, even during the draft, I'm like, I'm just, this draft, like halfway through, like, this draft is trash, but yeah. I'm still having fun. So, so anyway, yeah. that's my, so what about, so what do you think about it, John? I, this is one of my top five limited formats, just really easy. Like, I, I have enjoyed, I've enjoyed my three drafts, uh, even though I've been drafting these, like, three color good stuff decks. I can see where, you know, you want to stay in these two-color archetypes so you can really get the payoffs. Like, I saw a draft on Reddit where uh, somebody was dra- drafted straight mono-white with six pacifisms. It was, Why were people passing that many pacifists? Oh, my God. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it was absurd. Uh, the guy also had, like, a Rally of the Peasants and played 15 lands. Uh, he played one Windscarred Crag, one Mountain, and the rest were Plains. Oh, honey. Because <laughs> he had rallied the peasants with flashback. So, hey. Oh, yeah. That, no, the oh, honey was, oh, that sounds so good. Yeah. Uh, he 3 0'd, needless to say. Uh, well, also, yeah. the, the biggest blowout that I saw or I heard of in the draft is that um, somebody, no, this is in the sealed event, uh, because somebody in, or the, somebody in the sealed event had Charlotte's Agent, which is the 2 2 for one blue green artifact creature with Cascade. 
and yep. uh, the only creature, the only spell he had that was less than three in his deck was Balance. Oh and, no! And Balance is the most unbalanced card ever. Uh, real quick, as a reminder, what Balance says is uh, choose a number of lands that the player with the least controls. Everybody else sacks down to that many lands. Do the same for creatures and, spe- and cards in hand. Uh, when he cast the Shardless Agent and cascaded into the Balance, he had zero creatures in play because the Shardless Agent is still on the stack, and his opponent had two creatures in play. So that's, that's filthy. Yeah, Balance is the card that is least like its name because it's not balanced at all. Remember, kids, when your opponent casts a Cascade spell, don't counter the spell that triggers the Cascade. You trigger the spell that they get off the Cascade. Yeah, because sometimes that can be just as damaging as the Cascade spell itself. Like usually, what usually what it is is you're gonna in Legacy you're gonna cast you're gonna cast Charlotte's Agent and hopefully cascade into something like an Ancestral Vision or him to Turok or him to Turok. You can't you, don't don't blow your counter on the Charlotte's Agent. Basically, is what we're telling you. Like the two 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 two's okay. It's what the two two gets or the three two haste gets that's really gonna get you. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of sweet interactions. There's a bunch of shenanigans that can be had just just in the stories that I've seen and what I've in what I've personally done in the format. I mean. Again, having the blue and black Hondans in play at the same time is just silly. All right, yeah, I forgot what I cascaded into. I think it was like a prodigal sorcerer and like another two drop. <laughs> it was bad. That's sad. So, yeah, Ian, what worst. are your thoughts? Um, like I said, I unfortunately didn't get a chance to do a really good draft, but my God, the draft, I it seems so much fun. Yeah. Like if if I my biggest regret about the night was that I was just too tired and tilty to just fully enjoy just the draft like the sheer power that's passing through people's hands with this with this format is stupid yeah. like it's, modern masters was fun like i know people drafted vintage masters online but like this is like you actually have these cards and you're like i remember this like this card like the the cool part about it is some of the nostalgia factor that come that kicks in yeah. on this um it, it's it obviously wheeled around the table so like when it when it wheeled the second time i'm like i know this is already wheeled but i just wanted to say like to everybody at the table i'm like Mindless Automaton. <laughs> yeah, that card is old. It's old, but it's from like the Tempest block. And when I saw it, I was just like, oh my god. That's, it's my guy. It's it was, The cool part was just like one of those, it's uncommon. So Mindless Automaton's four mana for a zero zero artifact creature construct. It comes into play with two plus one plus one counters on it. You pay one, discard a card, put a plus one plus one counter on Mindless Automaton. You remove two plus one plus one counters from Mindless Automaton to draw a card. So you can kind of, you know, like, lay away stuff. I mean, it's, it's nothing special at all. Nothing to write home about. Yeah, I... It essentially reads four mana draw draw card, basically. Um, unless, you're trying to get, unless, you're try, unless you're trying to get Threshold. It's actually not bad for enable, like, to help you power out Threshold. So. That's true. So, I mean, I could see that's probably why it's in the set, because it's a, a way to be like, uh, dump this extra land, dump this extra land, uh, I have Threshold now. But it has the same Brian Snotty art from back in the day when it was printed in Tempest. And I just saw the art and I was like, oh, man. Because that was like the first set that I came into Magic on. And that was one of the cards in my first ever booster pack. I believe it was also a rare during Tempest. I believe so? Let me check. There were a lot of rarity shifts in the set. Like there were 27 new cards for Popper. I mean, it was in Exodus and it was a rare. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like in one of the first ever packs of like Exodus and stuff in that bl- the Tempest block that I and it was just like oh my gosh this card it was like just a nostalgia hit and I loved it yeah I think that's really the big the big pull for Eternal Masters and remember uh, Eternal Masters is the format coming up on Magic Online 
tomorrow, actually, uh, yeah. at 10 a.m. Pacific. I want to get another Legacy Gauntlet in, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, for those of you who do play no. Magic Online, uh, Shadow, Triple Shadowmore has started, and uh, people are already complaining. Oh, uh, yeah, cards are broken. Yeah. Magic uh, Online apparently... is a very complicated beast. Um, well, apparently what it was is it was thanks to Oath of the Gatewatch and our, the lovely introduction of glass mana, wings, yeah. colorless, whatever you want to call it, wastes mana. That apparently broke a lot of cards that people have never played really much of. And it's one of those retroactive things where with these lovely modern flashbacks, they're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this card. It's bro- It's literally broken, not like oh, it's busted, overpowered, and it's like, no, the, the card just does not function. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm really confused as to why Nullspine Invocation, but I don't even figure that one out. My guess is it's, it's oh, that's like a red enchantment that you pay X, discard a card, and you X becomes whatever the mana cost of the card was, yeah, and you deal X, that much. You deal a card with your mana cost X. The Invocation, which is an enchantment, deals X damage to target creatures. So it's like Kenji a skill. Had, apparently it bugged out on Kenji, so... Yeah, Kenji uh, tweeted about it and it kind of launched um, a little online Twitter tizzy. Yeah. Not 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 because not of him, but like other people and stuff like that. Like, oh my gosh, how is this so broken? But it's one of those like alternate casting costs of cards that has kind of gotten convoluted over the years. And I guess the, the way the coding works, I don't know, whatever. Anyway... Basically, let's um, th- go ahead and be our, our minor MTGO PSA. Magic, Online, Magic is a very complicated game with over 16,000 unique cards that Magic Online has to be able to recreate and have them work exactly as they would in paper. Computers are not that advanced yet, so there are always going to be mistakes, there's always going to be bugs, and they're going to need to fix them. Well, it's, it's not that computers can't handle it. It's the coding interactions that cause the issues. Yeah. And that's and it's like I said, it, you've basically got... 20 plus years worth of cards where you have to have every last rules interaction work perfectly and it's just not going to happen the way it's currently implemented in the coding for the, the, the program it's just the weight of those cards is basically starting to sag yeah. anyway uh, it's fun to use I still enjoy it I don't play 30 plus hours a week, so I don't see a lot of these crazy bugs. I don't play a lot of random weird decks, so usually the cards that I play aren't going to be bugged. But TLDR, either Magic Online is not a perfect system. Everybody knows it, but it's an amazing way to play a crap ton of Magic. That is true. So, and speaking of, I I definitely want to stream this weekend potentially at some point some EMA if you're willing to co-host. Oh, I'll definitely jump in on that. Sweet. All right. So, so anyway, Ian, you went to a, a GP trial. So real quick. Uh, what is a GP trial? A G, great, nice, yeah. <laughs> Funny you should ask. So anyway, a Grand Prix trial is something that usually local game stores can host um, a month or two out from a Grand Prix. And this particular trial was for Grand Prix Portland. They The trials are always associated with a specific Grand Prix in mind. Uh, usually it'll be of the format of the Grand Prix as the event. But if you win the event, you get two free buys. You don't get the sleep in special. You just get two free buys. And remember, buys are very important because day one, day ones of GPs are nine rounds. It's a slog. <laughs> and uh, the platinum pros get three buys, so they only have to play six rounds of Magic. <laughs> yeah, so, so there's, there's a reason why I usually see pros make day two a lot is because they go in only having to win two thirds of the matches that a regular Joe like I would would have or you would would have to. Uh, 
yeah. actually do. Um, so weird thing was is they didn't have enough people. They only had seven. Sapphire okay. used eight. So one of the store employees uh, hopped in, played around with like their little janky deck <laughs> and just like was like, yeah, I can't actually beat you. And then scooped. <laughs> <laughs> so I essentially got like a round one buy. Okay. Um, well, because they had people come out and it was one of those like, normally you need minimum eight people for this event to fire. They had seven. They wanted to fire because people had already come out to do it and play. They had an employee with their own standard deck. It was some janky mono red concoction. Like it it was, it it could have been better, but it definitely shows where mono red is sitting in the format right now, which is not great. (laughs) Um, So anyway, round two, I played against mono blue. Oh yeah. So these, these buys and stuff like that. So I think they were saying up to 10 people or no, at eight people, it's single elimination. Because it's top eight. Yeah. Anything above that, you play Swiss. I think it, I think they would have triggered Swiss at like 10 or something like that. So not just do that no, at the top not, eight after no, that? Yeah. No, yeah. They would have basically done like, yeah, after that. Well, they would have played like one round or something. It was, it, it's, I don't know how they would have put in the system. But usually like anything above eight is Swiss. So they're holding another one uh, July 9th. Spoiler alert, I'm not. I didn't get the the buys. <laughs> um, I'm going to be going to that one. So anyway, round two, I played against that mono blue prison deck. That card's that, that Martin Mueller uh, brought out of nowhere at, I think it was GP Manchester. Yeah, it was Manchester. Yeah. Um, like, and then it was also played by... Frank Carson, um, Frank Carson borrowed the literal actual deck. He borrowed the deck from Martin Mueller. <laughs> like, not like, oh, I'm going to borrow your list. He's like, no, no, can I, can I actually get your deck? And he took it to coat. Grand Prix Costa Rica and like place fifteenth with it. <laughs> I don't think the deck is good. I think the deck is sweet. The deck I is need... the deck is hilarious, but holy crap, the deck is so painful to play against. Thank God we were playing. Uh, we we were timeless rounds, so we didn't actually have a clock on our rounds because we were essentially in a top eight uh, situation. So once we hit the the second round, we're just like play till you win. Yeah. Um. Hydro Lash is a stupid card, and I hate it. <laughs> I was all right, so I was on. Or so uh, the deck that I was on was on, like I mentioned a little earlier, Bant Displacer Humans. So it's your Bant Humans list uh, that doesn't play Knight of the White Orchid uh, because it's like the weakest creature in the deck. That's the two-two first striker for two. That whenever you it's white white. Uh, so whenever you play it, uh, if your opponent has more lands in play than you do, you get to go fetch up a planes. In case you and, didn't know, by the way, Prairie okay. Stream is a plane. So is Canopy Vista. Yeah, so you, so you can actually, yes, you can actually go grab dual lands with it, and you can have four mana on turn three. It's an, it's like a pseudo ramp, but uh, it's one of the weakest cards in the deck. So we dropped it. People have dropped it for three Eldrazi Displacer because the Eldrazi Displacer plus refre- Reflector Mage lock, like I've talked about in previous episodes, playing with the deck is stupid and fun and hilarious. Basically, you can lock your opponent out of doing really anything. Um, so, unfortunately, in Band Humans, there's a lot of two power creatures. Hydra Lash is two and a blue. Attacking creatures get minus two, minus zero until end of turn. Draw a card. <laughs> and if you're not playing Always Watchings, then you're just getting fucked. Oh, yeah. He, like, there, uh, and the worst part was his turn. Like, I knew exactly what my opponent was on turn one. 
I, I went turn one, uh, game one. I went turn one, uh, Thraven Inspector. He goes, Island, Prism Ring, named Blue. I'm like, oh no. Because <laughs> Prism Ring is a one-mana artifact that when it enters the battlefield, you name a color, any color you want. When you play, when you cast a spell with the named color, you gain one life. So basically, yeah. Yeah, by like turn six, he had three in play. And with those Hydra Lashes, like, all right, so like what I would end up doing is I eventually got a nice board state out, like, and I would swing with like six creatures, but three of them would be two power less. And then I would have like a Tireless Tracker and a Thalia's Lieutenant that would have like two or three counters on it. So I'd be swinging for like four with the Thalia's Lieutenant, five with the Tireless Tracker, and then two or three, like two Thraven Inspectors and a Reflector Mage. And of all of that, that's two, three, four, nine, and let's say four on the Thraven Inspectors. So 13 damage, like five of it would get through. Yeah. Because it would blank like three of my creatures. It, it was just like, I'd hit him for five, he'd gain three. <laughs> the... And eventually, I finally was able to win uh, on a 10-9 tireless tracker <laughs> beating in because engulf the shore returned so many creatures to my hand. But I was like, "How many? How many got in play?" He's like, eight. I'm like, "Okay, crack a clue, crack a clue, uh, crack my um, evolving wilds, get a clue, crack the clue, <laughs> put yeah. three counters on it. Just make your, just just to- make your um, tracker as big as it can." Oh yeah, I would just just bumping it from its six power to nine power, just so it would survive to stay on the board and then swing in for lethal the next turn. He was just like, "Oh yeah, I'm just dead." I'm like yeah. So even if if it had been, had been timed rounds, getting game winning game one almost guarantees that I would win game two. Yeah, because the deck does not win quickly. Oh no, it's it's terrible, and I hate it. Anyway, so I went to I I beat him actually decent damage wise he was able to stall him and counter him out a couple times uh counter a couple key hydro lashes and a key gulf the shore and i went against obzon which is not a deck that you normally see in today's meta because there's no siege rhinos but the deck is stupid and i hate it because it combines probably two of the like bant coke bant company decks worst matchups which are the green black seasons past decks and the white black control decks because they have nothing but Minus four, minus four removals. Dot deck, yeah. um, which essentially, unless I'm able to power out and pump my creatures up high enough, it will just wipe my board out. Now, this is a green. Like I said, this is Obzon. You're wondering why is it Obzon? Well, it's it actually has one season's pass in it. It plays uh, Sylvan Advocates. It plays a main deck Dragonlord Dromoka, which my opponent stuck on turn six. Yeah, I hear that card is terrible. For- oh, it's. Like now, apparently, this concoction is a Jeff Hoogland brew, okay. which he was like, "Yeah, this deck basically forces company decks to operate at sorcery speed." Now, the, the the amazing part about collected company decks is that we have so many tricks that can be played at instant speed or in response to uh, in, um, abilities that can be done in response, like uh, Eldrazi Displacer and such, in response to opponents casting something. So we can still get some value out of it. It shuts down all my counter spells. It shuts down. Uh, my Ojitai's command, it shuts down my collected company, which is where you get your value of. It makes the deck operate at sorcery speeds. Now, usually against white-black control, the great part about going up against white-black control is they can cast that languish and then end step I can collected company and start build, rebuilding my board almost instantaneously. Dragonlord Dramoka shuts that down yeah. completely. 
I can't cast it on, like, she has the spell, opponents can't cast spells on your turn. Collected Company does not operate well as at, at a, as a deck when it has to operate at sorcery speed. It just doesn't. Like, it, I, I would play, like, two, three creatures, they would get killed the next turn. I would have to wait till the next turn, play another two creatures, and meanwhile, she, my opponent's just chipping in with the Dromoka, gaining five life, taking me down five, so, like, ten-point life swing. And I can't cast Collected Company, and I have no um, main board way really to deal with her, with one exception. And I tried it. I basically had to go for it this one turn. So what it was was I had a Tireless Tracker in play with, I believe it was a 4-5? Yeah, it was a 5-4. So it had two counters on it. So I play Thalia's Lieutenant, gets a counter, becomes a 6-5. Now, Dragonlord Remoke is a 5-7, so I need it to get to be able to kill it and fight it. So I play another Thalia's Lieutenant. So now it's a 7-6. So it'll live. I could have and probably should have just cast my Dromokus Command right there <laughs> to see For if he had... Counter fight. For counterfight. For counterfight. So I, I, what I did do is I put I, I played it with counterfight after already pumping it up. So it would have been an 8-7, um, guaranteeing it survives. And my opponent had ultimate price. <laughs> they always do. It. Yeah. I kid, he's like, oh, response to this, just kill it and i'm like all right yeah that happens so i my opponent was like he's like well, we had in hand i'm like yeah he's like i would have done the exact same thing you did to try and kill it I'm like because it was one of those like i had to kill it that turn or i was going to die to it the next turn so but it was fun um little thing was cool i got 10 packs to crack i actually cracked one of them already i got a thing in the ice so they were like they were like pick pick 10 pick whatever you want from a uh, current standard so i got five shadows three battle for zendikar two oath the gatewatch Nice, nice spread. Yeah, it was two one. Lost, like I said, lost the finals. Um, I not upset. I, I made one or two misplays, but I don't think overall those misplays would have affected the outcome. I like I was still at a a very very significant uh, disadvantage to the Obzon deck. Um, it's weird. Most black green decks in standard right now, company company deck kind of fold to like with its Grixis. Jund or now Obzon, but it's fun. So would you play the deck again tomorrow? Damn straight. Okay, good. I would. I love the deck. It's great. Um, yeah, I got all, all your been, all your conversation has gotten me um, thinking about the modern company decks, and I'm wondering if they should put Grand Abolisher in their sideboard. I hate you. <laughs> I, do, I caught a lot of flack on Twitter because like I'm like I'm known as an infect player, so like my friends are like, oh, he's just casting company these days, and I'm like, you were you were in on the harassment. <laughs> <laughs> I only participated with, once, okay. No, but it was fine. Like, it was all playful stuff. Like, they're all like, oh, I don't even know who you are anymore, casting collected company. Yeah. I'm like, it's in standard. And they're like, it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, Vorthos Mike, you are, you are he's a, a winner. He's a hoot. So, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of fun. All right. Uh, that actually brings us to the hour mark. We were going to do a quick uh, Shadows of Interstarch story recap, but we may need to save that for another time. Um, I mean, we're, we're finally getting our first uh, Eldritch yeah. stories. Uh, last week we had uh, a new Arlen story, which I think a lot of people were really happy about. We got we got her, more about Arlen's uh, origins. Yeah, we got her plant or her spark moment. Yep. And then uh, this week we got we got all inside Nahiri's head, and we have our first story from Nahiri's perspective in the Shadows of Strahd story. So we, we, all, we, so we know Nahiri's motivations. Yeah, everyone's like, "Why is Nahiri so pissed?" It's like she he just. Miss this call, and it's like, oh, oh no, oh honey, I'm not uh, gonna. Should we spoil it? No. 
Um, basically, um, actually, actually, I don't think we, eh, we'll, we'll save it. If we're going to yeah, do a story you, recap, you, we'll save it for next time. Yeah, go I'll read, put, I'll go put a read. link in the, uh, in the show notes so you guys can go, uh, read the story because next week we're probably, we're going to probably be getting our, uh, our first look. So of the Elder Smooth story so far, we have not talked to Jace, Soren, or Tamio since the end of the Shadow story. So we don't know what's going on yet. I think we should definitely talk story next time. Yeah, I think we should too. So. Hit us up on Twitter if you have any other suggestions for the show, but I think talking story would be very, a very interesting and worthwhile endeavor. Uh, maybe we can see if we can get Vorthos Mike on. Got to get that. Or, yeah, any any of the, the any lovely of the, Vorthos people. The Vorthos, the Vorthos crowd. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, that's going to do it for us. Ian, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. And you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dix. Like I said, I'll probably be streaming later this week. I definitely want to get back streaming more. I've actually started, like, some friends of mine, Literating Run, build a PC for uh, another friend of ours this week, this week on one of their streams. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to get my computer uh, kickstarted. So I'm not actually a Kickstarter, but, like, kickstarted in terms of accelerating it and i will probably be building a new pc in the next month so it's gonna be great yeah um i'll actually be streaming the build of that too but i'm definitely gonna be streaming this week maybe this weekend uh and you're more than welcome to join me john we'll do we'll do a ema draft or two that'll be fine that'll be good good times so where can they find speaking of you on twitter where can they find you you can find me at jwiley129 on twitter i'm also on twitch by that same handle uh also, you can reach the podcast directly on Twitter at Eyes on the Mize, or if you have a more personal question, you can send us an email at eyesonthemize at gmail.com. Again, please leave us a review. We're going to give people shout-outs who leave us reviews at the top of the show because you all are awesome, and we'd love to get feedback. Uh, anyways, that's going to be it for us. Thank you for turning, tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys next time.